Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show. You're on with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am charged up and ready for today's show. It's going to be an exciting show. Um, I was wondering if you are being denied custody of your children, if you are suffering the pain of clearing up lies that are told to you by your ex. Do you feel alone and hopeless? Are the courts biased? And are you guilty until proven innocent? Listen to how this amazing state representative, Kathy Swan from Missouri, passed the shared parenting bill in her state. She's going to be our special guest today, along with constituent Linda Reitzel. Um, before we get into that, just wanted to give you an update on last week's show um, in the event that you missed it. Um, by the way, you can listen to this or any and all of my archive shows by simply hitting Google SoundCloud, the men's advocate, Google the SoundCloud, uh, the men's advocate. And last week's show, we had on my guest and author, Emmy Sims, with her book, A Little Bit of Pleasure. And also last week, I was uh, a guest on Tim Scomo's show, uh, Parental Revolution, and we were also talking about a parallel topic that we're talking about today. That's uh, Parental Revolution. You can also find that on SoundCloud under More Linda, 2016 More Linda. All right, so let's hop in to today's subject, <laughs> which we're going to be talking about Kids Win with Shared Parenting. So let's get, have an overview of what's going on here. In 1970, the Uniform Marriage and Divorce Act set the best interest standard. Research shows that children who spend more time with their fathers are more likely to succeed academically and less likely to be delinquent or have substance abuse issues. According to William Fabricius, an associate professor of de developmental psychology in Arizona State University who has been studying fathers in divorce since the year 2000, said they will grow up to be both mentally and physically healthier as a result of having uh, their dad's presence. So why do fathers matter? You know, aren't moms great moms and the kids only need the moms? Why do fi fathers matter? And the research shows that education, with regard to education, fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Uh, father involvement in schools in association with higher, uh, with a higher likelihood of a student getting mostly A's through grade 12, compared to only a 35% uh, ratio for children with single moms. Poverty. Children in father-absent homes are five times more likely to be poor. 38% of children in female-based households are. Incarceration. Youths in father-absent households had significantly higher odds of incarceration. Youths who never had a father in the household experienced the highest odds. Drugs and delinquency. Students from single-parent families reported higher rates of drinking and smoking, as well as higher rates on delinquency and aggression. Sexual activity. Being raised by a single mother raises the risk of teen pregnancy, the child marrying with less than a high school degree, and forming a marriage where both partners have less than a high school degree. And finally, child abuse. Children from single-parent single-parent families are more likely to become, become victims of physical and sexual abuse with a 77% greater risk of being physically abused, 74% greater risk of suffering from emotional neglect, 80% risk of suffering serious injury as a result of abuse, and overall a 120% greater risk of being endangered by some type of child abuse. So while mothers are custodial parents 82% of the time, you know, one could ask the question, is it just because fathers are not asking for the job? Fathers are not asking for shared custody. We're going to, we're going to look at these issues uh, on, a little bit on the, later on the program. A study found in Massachusetts, though, um, fathers who actively sought primary or joint custody obtained it more than 70% of the time. So let's uh, 
zero in now on the state of Missouri. Um, currently, over 20 states are trying to bring shared parenting to their family courts. Five states, namely Colorado, Florida, Maryland, Massachusetts, and Missouri, are looking at proposals that would require judge, judges to presume that it is in the best interest for the children to split their time as evenly as possible between their two parents. Um, Utah enacted a similar law last year. Also, Alaska, Arizona, Idaho, I Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, and South Dakota, their states have already passed this law. So Missouri now joins the bandwagon for shared parenting. And huge, huge uh, thanks in large part to both of my guests today. The new law states that judges may not give custody preference to a parent just because of gender, age, or financial status. Um, the sole custody should not be the norm, which was formerly the case. The Missouri Bar opposed the measure the first time it was introduced a year ago. This time it remained uh, neutral on the subject. Um, it passed currently almost unanimously, um, a unanimous 34 votes in the Senate and uh, 154 to two neg negatives in the House. And this new law was signed um, just recently on July 1st by Governor Jay Nixon, and it will take effect at the end of this month. So welcome, both of you, to our program. Um, I'd like to introduce the Honorable um, Kathy Swan. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Verlinda, for um, exploring this subject and helping us share our story, Missouri. And please also let's welcome our guest, uh, constituent Linda Reitzel. Um, she, our story begins with her. Uh, welcome, Linda, to our program. Thank you so much. And, and again, thank you for bringing light to this. You're most welcome. All right. So uh, I think the story begins with you. Uh, you had a particular situation where you wanted to invite your granddaughter to a birthday party and that didn't work out so well, and then you got busy and active with the uh, with your state. So tell us a little bit about your story. Well, uh, my story started in um, uh, 2013 when my son's wife uh, moved out of their home and uh, took their three their three year old daughter with her. And uh, she moved in with her mother, and his wife told him that he could see his daughter one day a week and every other weekend. And this was before they were even divorced. Uh, so when they had the first hearing, he did not agree to that. And so between the first hearing and the second hearing, they actually were doing 50-50. Um, he kept the child the same amount of time as his uh, wife did. But when it came down to the trial, uh, when they went to court, the judge decided that since they both could not agree on the parenting plan, he would get the default parenting plan of one day a week and every other weekend. And that's what he got. Uh, he, he felt, uh, I think his term was kicked in the gut that he, after being a uh, hands-on, uh, very active father because his wife worked weekends and, and some nights. So he was hands-on with that child since birth that all of a sudden he was going to be a visitor in his own daughter's life. And she was only three. And that, that's very hurtful and hurtful to the whole family because we were all very involved in her life. Bonds had already been made, and uh, it was tough on her also. Wow. I think you used the phrase the, that he got the same treatment as visitation treatment as a felon or a deadbeat dad would have. Yes, and <laughs> those were his words, too. Um, you know, when a father comes in and he is fit and willing and he wants equal amount of time with his children, the court should not mandate that he spend less time with his kids. I mean, the statistics that you uh, were citing are just so disturbing. Um, it's, it's Our family courts should not mandate fathers spend less time with their kids. It just should not happen. Agreed. Let's find out about this and more issues when we come back from the uh, break. We're going to talk a little bit more about Linda's story and how she fought, fought the fought and 
how she fought the fight and what you can do in your state perhaps to follow those footsteps. Call us at 951-922-3532. That's 951-922-3532. We'll catch you right back after the break. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Hey guys, want to go from cocky and confused to confident in four sessions or less? Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Tackle relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's www.themensadvocate.com slash coaching. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about kids win with shared parenting. We're on with my honorable guest, uh, Representative Kathy Swan from the state of Missouri, and also uh, the state constituent, the person who brought this uh, to their attention, to the legislators' attention, um, Linda Reitzel. So welcome back, everybody. Let's get back to uh, Linda's story. Um, we were talking a little bit about your son and and uh, how he felt like he was kicked in the gut, and he really didn't want to give up any of his rights. So what then happened? Uh, well, he got the he got the um, the default parenting plan of one day a week and every other weekend. Mm-hmm. So um, after that happened, I couldn't. I had to make sense of it. So I did a lot of research, and I found out that there was a, a lot of people that were concerned about family court, and a lot of people were, were didn't like the current uh, the current way they de- decided custody. Right. And, uh, one thing that needs to be cleared up that I've had questions about, joint physical and legal custody is different than parenting plan. Uh, my son got joint custody, physical and legal custody. Mm-hmm. But if the man and the woman don't agree on the parenting time, he got the default of one day a week and every other weekend. Now, if, it, if women were getting one day a week and every other weekend, you could not hold them down. They would be so angry and so um, just put upon. They, you couldn't believe it, the, the angst that they would be going through. Well, men go through that same angst. They Absolutely. So in your state, there was no um, remedy for that. Like in my state, like if we didn't agree, uh, you know, the court system has a special office down the hall and we we went to a custodial office and I submitted my plan on what I wanted the custody to be. He submitted his plan and that mediator worked between the two of us to come up with a solution. And that's what, what got entered into the order, the court order. So when you're, you're saying in your state you didn't have such a remedy. Now, I've and heard people say that you have mediation. He did not get mediation. He went to a court for, 
it probably took less than an hour okay. to, to talk about it. And then, you know, um, uh, two weeks later, the ruling comes down and, you know, he's he has no other recourse but to spend another $5,000 to do a, a motion to set aside or, you know, modification motion. Um, there's no other way. The judge has just decided that this is what it's going to be. Hmm. And, you know, in our state statutes, it, it does say that uh, one of the considerations should be the, the parent that is most likely and uh, most willing to share custody with the other parent. Well, wouldn't the parent that wants 50-50 be that parent that is more likely to share custody, not the parent that doesn't want to do 50-50? Right. So I think they have that backwards also. <laughs> I think you're right on that one. So um, in your state, if there's no proof of abuse, neglect, or drug use, do, does that parent have to prove there's no none of that going on, or it's the absence of those uh, neglect or abuse issues? Does that come into play? In other words, is that why they would default to the, the standard default of one day a week and every now, other weekend? And in those instances, that's what the judge's discretion should be. But in my son's case, there was no allegation of abuse, no allegation of drugs, no allegation of drinking. In fact, in, in his order, in, his, in the judge's order, the judge says, even though both parents equally parented the child, do you get that? Even though both parents equally parented the child, mm -hmm. the thinks that this is the better plan to give the father one day a week and every other weekend. There's just no no reason for it. You can't explain why they would do that. Why they would take a father, a, a willing father, away from a daughter, away from a, a four-year-old daughter by this time she was four. Right. Well, they're basing it on these very old laws, which made sense, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, because the, the laws were originally created to protect women and children from abuse, from domestic violence or child abuse. And while those laws are, are terrific, and they're still terrific today, unfortunately, a lot of women have abused them and have discounted the men and have alienated the father from seeing their that child or children so um it's just rampant it's just got the pendulum has swung so much in the other direction that i know in my state here in california women are just straight up lying and saying there's there's abuse or neglect the whole thing is happening and the judge just doesn't even look up from his paper he just signs the order he right. doesn't he doesn't even say like if I were the judge, I would say, okay, where's the uh, proof to this? Where is the police report? Where is the psychology report? Where is the child protective services report? I would like to have it corroborate, have her story corroborated with something, but they don't even do that. They just sign the order and they haven't even looked up off the paper. Believe me, they don't do it in Missouri court either. <laughs> they hear, and then they use their discretion, <laughs> there's that word again, to decide who they who they believe, right? And, you know, they see a father um, angry in court because up until this point, his ex spouse has probably done the same thing that my son's spouse did by taking the child out of the home and saying, "You can't see her now, but one day a week and every other weekend." So they are angry, but that is situational anger. If someone did that to me, I would be angry too. It's, it's really the cool, calm, collected one in, in the court that is really what the judge should be looking at. Right, but if they were that cool and calm, they would probably still be married. So, you know, there's a lot of acid uh, being, uh, being thrown everywhere, and unfortunately they're not operating from that place. So we have to deal with what we've been given us. So I'm so happy to hear the success story in your state. So Linda, how would you say that an average citizen can get through their legislatures? Like what's the best use? And and uh, Kathy, you can chime in on this too. What's the best use of their time? Well, I first went to my representative, which is Kathy Swan, and um, you know, I had I had pay dirt because she took took the issue and she ran with it. Mm -hmm. I also my senator, 
And I didn't stop there. I went to uh, Jefferson City and I walked the halls and I talked to as many representatives and as many senators as I possibly could. And um, people out there should do the same because they will find that these reps and these senators really know what's going on in family court because they've, they've been through it themselves. They have friends that have been through it. They have families that have been through it. And so they... They were very sympathetic to this cause. So is that possible? You just did a random walk, or do you have to set an appointment with them, or what's what's the procedure? Well, I, I, we would go up uh, early in the morning and then walk the halls, and, and we would go into each individual rep's office. And if they were there and they'd allow us to talk to them, you know, just for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. then we would. If they weren't there or if they were busy, we would ask their uh, legislative assistant if they would, if they could um, fit us in in that afternoon. So we would stay there all day, and uh, you know they were very pleasant and very willing to talk to us about this issue. Let, I let, really great, great um, uh, feedback from from all of them. Yes, Kathy, go ahead, please. Uh, Linda also and her team of advocates made focused visits to members on children and families committees. So in any other state where any bill would be referred and have a hearing, those committee members are key, both in the Senate and the House. So not only did they visit others, but they did a lot of focused time with those committee members. And how do you find out who those people are, like who the committees are and who they're, they're chaired by? That information is on, it's on, online. Um, on the website for the state of Missouri. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I liked uh, I like a targeted approach rather than just going in there randomly because the more that you know and the more you know who to talk to and what to say once you get there, it definitely does help. So, um, Kathy, tell us a little bit about how does a bill go from a constituent request to a legislator, then the committee, and then to the floor for voting. Tell us a little bit about that process and how to um, best execute that process. I think that we probably have a similar process in all states, but there is a a department, um, a house research in our case department, many of the research analysts are attorneys themselves. They do the bill drafting and we get the final approval on that, and then a bill's filed. And in our state, the bill is then referred by the Speaker of the House to a committee. The committee chair then determines when there will be a hearing on that bill, and it's crucial for advocates and parents and others supportive of a bill to be present for a hearing. Linda was there every time we had a hearing uh, to ensure that her voice was heard and the voices of others that this means so much to then, of course, it has to be voted out of the committee, and we have a two-tiered system in the state of Missouri. It would go to the next committee and then uh, would hit the floor for debate and has to be debated uh, once and voted with a voice vote, voted a second time with a roll call vote, and then the bill goes through the same process in the other side of the House in the Senate. Senate bills do the same thing, go through their House, then come to the House of Representatives. Gotcha. And how often can a bill surface? Is it just a once-a-year event? Like if you're not successful, you got to wait a whole nother year? Or how does that work? In the state of Missouri, that is correct. There are other states that the bills will be carried over depending on where they are. If some bills are on the House calendar or the Senate calendar, they may retain their position through the next session. But in Missouri, we, we start over. The bill, it was, it was filed last year, mm-hmm. then I filed it again this year. So there's no opportunity, like if they if the language is not preferred or accepted on in paragraph four or something like that, there's no opportunity to amend it. It just has to die, and then you start over again. No, there are multiple opportunities. Uh, it can be amended in committee. Mm-hmm. Um, the bill sponsor can offer an amendment. The chair can offer an amendment. Um, a committee member can offer an amendment. So it may differ when it leaves the committee than when it appeared at the committee. Uh, When it gets to the floor, during what's called on the perfection calendar and the floor debate, both houses can submit amendments on the floor, on the fly, and have them voted up or down on a bill. 
Same thing happens when the bill passes one of the legislative bodies, goes to the other house. The bill can be amended in committee before it's voted out. It can also be amended on the floor itself. Plus, in this case, this was added on as an amendment, which was similar to the, or actually the amendment that I was working on to my own bill. It was added on as an amendment by the committee chair in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We're on with my special guests today, uh, Representative Kathy Swan and constituent Linda Reitzel. Um, call us at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951 951- 922-3532. When we come back from break, I want to ask um, Ms. Swan, what happens to the people that are already part of the system? I know the bill goes into effect at the end of the month. Let's discuss that after the break. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world. And you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head on over to Henson Brewing Company. Burbank's first craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming winter 2016. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you are. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Do call us on on this topic. We're talking about kids win with shared parenting. Call us at 951-922-3532-951-922-3532. Okay, so um, Kathy, tell us a little bit about uh, the the law will go into effect at the end of this month. What happens to the people who are already in the system? Well, since the bill does not mandate that it's 50-50 parenting time, they will need to speak with their attorney uh, and go back to court in order to get a modification of the uh, parenting time or the custody. So this leaves a discretion at the court and with the judge, but it certainly gives an opportunity for parents uh, and most often, obviously, in this case, fathers, to go back. Um, I did have a phone call from someone fairly recently 
who has expressed an interest in doing this and going back. And he was asking the same question you're asking, what do I need to do? Well, he needs to seek some legal counsel in order to get back into the system to try to get changes made. Sounds like a plan. So um, it's almost a done deal. Would you say that unless, uh, you know, abuse or violence or anything else has come to play that, yes, the judge would sign the order the new way? The judge, what had happened was we did not have uniform practices throughout the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. Some uh, places had some very lengthy parenting forms for parents to complete. Other circuit courts had adopted circuit court rules. Some of those rules were over 20 years old, and I think some of them were perhaps based upon historical practice and a historical perception and perspective that normally the mother is the caretaker and the one who stays home and works part-time or is, is a, uh, the, the main parent at home while the father is, is employed outside the home. So this removes that um, and pro- actually prohibits a court from adopting specific rules in this case. So therefore, each case is looked at individually. Parents are encouraged through filling out completing forms that the Office of the Courts, Supreme Court's Administrator in the state of Missouri is the administrative arm of the Missouri Supreme Court, is, is in the process but will be developing parenting guidelines for parents to use. They, the handbook will be available online. Then when both parents go in, present their desires uh, that they have hopefully agreed upon, then the judge makes the best determination in the interest of that child. This is definitely not a default. It is definitely not a cookie cutter. It is definitely not a 50. And there was some a little misunderstanding on the part of some, I think, who believed and who were opposed to the bill initially and even after its signing that this was a mandate, and it most definitely is not. Gotcha. <clears throat> uh, can I in on the uh, uh, parenting plans and, and divorces that have already been done. Uh, in order to go back for a modification, you should have, the judge expects to have a significant change of circumstances for them to go back and modify their parenting plan. Now, whether this change in the law is a significant change enough, we'll have to wait and see with with some, uh, you know, test cases going forward. But it should be because of the overwhelming majority that that, uh, voted for this. The intent is to definitely give children equal access to both of their parents. So has your son filed uh, that paperwork to be in line for that? He hasn't yet, but it's, you know, doesn't go into effect until um, August 28th, but um, he will. And Kathy, do we have we do we have an estimate of how long this process will take for the legacy people? I mean, does it take ninety days? Does it take six months? I mean, do we have any estimate of of time frame wise? No, I do not. As Linda had indicated, that all the bills in Missouri that were passed during this session uh, become effective August twenty eighth. So at that point in time, um, we're under this new statute change. Mm-hmm. How long? that they could get on the docket, how long uh, it would take for the case to be accepted and and assigned. Um, I am not an expert on on that length of time that it would be required in order to get that done for an individual parent. Do we have any idea what the numbers are that uh, people who might be getting in line? It could probably be tens of thousands, if not more, right? I think it could be significant. We've had some fathers' advocacy groups that have been very supportive of one another, and I actually referred the young man from St. Louis who I spoke with a couple of times to that group, and they jumped in immediately, uh, and we're going to contact him to try to help get him some direction for his situation with his children. So there's an increasing awareness, thanks to you, and others, uh, that this is going to be a possibility for them. And I think it will escalate um, over a very short period of time once fathers realize that there's a possibility there for them to have some modification. Gotcha. Okay. So 
Let's see. I I did place quite a few calls to the Missouri State Bar. In fact, I talked to six different individuals at the bar, and none were willing to come forward either on the record or off the record. I mean, there was a lot of uh, tripped up speeches, and I can't, and I don't have the authority, and oh, I have to check with my committee. There's a lot of excuses given as to why they didn't want to talk about it, which I find very strange. I mean, I wanted to have equal and fair reporting. They're entitled to their opinion, just like um, aggrieved parents are entitled to their opinion. I really wanted to see, you know, what are the hang-ups? Like, why would they, um, you know, rule in, in such a way that they did? But unfortunately... They didn't, they didn't want to come to the mic. Or even I told them, look, I'll even do a quote anonymously. I won't say where you're from, what your name is. They wouldn't even allow that. So kind of strange. <laughs> I wish they would have, but kind of strange. So I did get um, some comments from, from other information that I've, that I've garnered. And probably one thing, uh, one objection that they have is, Oh, we're going to take discretion away from this bill is going to take discretion away from the judge. Kathy, speak to that because that's certainly not the case, right? That is definitely not the case. We've gone into this in the best interest of the child, as I'd indicated um, a couple of days ago. This is a child-centered bill. Uh, it, we expect that the judge will continue to act in the best interest of that child taking everything into consideration, the residence of the parents, the age of the child, whether the child is in school, where the child is in school, the work schedules, uh, where the work schedules change. Are they on alternating shifts? Do they work weekends? So we simply wanted everything to be taken into consideration in this child's life and maximize the amount of time spent with both parents and allow that judge continue to give that judge the discretion, but take all of these factors into consideration when a final decision is made and be certain that decision is truly in the best interest of that child. Right. You know, uh, the judge's discretion should be used on uh, drugs, uh, abuse, uh, child neglect, abandonment, uh, distance that the parents live, live away. But uh, when the overall majority of contested divorce cases end with the father getting the same schedule, that's not discretion. That is rubber stamping these parenting plans to, to get to get the divorce decree out of out of their court. That that is not discretion. When you give a when a fit and willing parent cannot get equal time with his kids, that's not discretion. That's rubber stamping. Right. Another objection that I came across uh, just doing research online with regard to the Missouri State Bar is their claim was shared parenting seems to favor the person earning the most money as it lowers the custody payment for the higher wage earner. So what that means is if you have custody time being 50-50 and if both parents have a similar salary, no payment is made one way or the other. So... It's kind of crazy that they're saying that it benefits the higher, you know, by passing this law, it benefits the higher wage earner because now the higher wage earner gets to pay less. And their fear is, the state bar's fear is, that somehow the state is going to pick up the slack. Well, guess what? The state doesn't pick up the slack if they're a deadbeat parent or went to prison or something. So why should they pick up the slack for having this uh, be leveled out, having the custody payment be leveled out. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. No, that doesn't make sense. You know, a common tactic that's used in opposition to bills is unforeseen circumstances <laughs> that have nothing to do with the bill. And the first bill that they opposed, the bill had some child support language in the bill. Uh, mm -hmm. That was not what we wanted initially, but it got us off on a wrong foot. Uh, particularly where the bar was concerned, and I understand their concerns on that. And we kept saying, this was not our intent, that we're going to strike this from the bill, and I had worked on an amendment, but they had already come out at that point and formally opposed it. Part of their neutrality and their hesitancy 
in order to respond to you and give you a quote is the composition of their organization. They have specific committees of attorneys on which their members belong, and they will not take a position on these bills or any other issue without a specific committee meeting ahead of time and taking it, making a recommendation to the board uh, of, of the Bar Association. So I think that's part of the issue. The other, obviously, may be some unforeseen circumstance that has nothing to do with the bill. Uh, right. and, but but that is that's just a common practice to uh, insert additional concerns that of language that's not in there, right? And and that's done that's done often with a lot of bills. And you know what? If you or they are listening, um, I respect their policies. I, if they need to go to committee first before they talk or give a statement, that's perfectly fine with me. We can do this at a later date. You know, I want them. To, you know, I want to respect what their policies are. So I just want to hear what is their position and how can we make it better for our children. I mean, ultimately, we should be fighting for the children and not this power play that goes on between alienated parents. Absolutely. And part of it, Linda, I think was the fact that, and part of the argument was, we don't have a problem in this community. We don't have a problem in this area of the state. We don't have a problem. Well, and I honor their comments regarding that there is not a problem in some areas. However, there was a problem where we were. There were problems in other areas um, with parents that we spoke with, particularly with Linda had contact with. So while some areas of the state seem to be working beautifully, if that were the case, it wasn't everywhere. And my concern as a legislator is that we have uniform practice throughout the state uh, as much as we can, whether it's access to health care, whether it's access to education, or whether it's access to a court that abides by a non-defaulted position when the decision is made regarding the best interest of a child. Exactly. All right. Um, I also uh, did some research from another state. This is a Christra... Krista Gaber, uh, she's the executive director from the South Dakota Network Against Family Violence and Sexual Assault. Her opposition was um, she opposes mandatory shared parenting. She says that in many situations, one person in a relationship might be the victim of abuse or power and control by the other person. The victims often don't ask for a restraining order or have other legal documentation and thus would not be a uh, have the ability to fight a 50-50 award. So that's why they're leaving things alone in their state. That, that again, is if, if there is abuse, that is the discretion that the judge should uh, right. check on. Uh, and, and, you know, the, there's stats about uh, abuse, and, and women are, cre- are um, more and more committing spousal abuse. Just They're catching up with men. And also, uh, there's a stat about 61% of all child abuse is committed by biological mothers. So, so for us thinking that fathers are always the abusers, that is a bias that needs to get out of family court because fathers are not always the abusers. Absolutely. Hear, hear to that. Okay. Um, in the state of Washington, it says that only a fraction of custody cases are actually up to the judge to decide. For example, only nine in 10 cases that go to court are settled and the rest of them, you know, are at the judge's discretion. So it's such a small amount that gets judicial review that I don't even see why they're making that an issue. And like you said a moment ago, something certainly like, a you know, abuse or domestic violence would definitely um, make the judge have uh, discretion in that, in that case. And, you know, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Men have told me that they go to a lawyer when they're getting divorced, and the lawyer tells them, you will get this schedule, and there's no reason for you to spend any more money because you won't get any more. Wow. A lot of these men, you know, most people don't have, uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in their bank account, and so they are um, encouraged not to fight it because... 
the judge is going to give the bulk of parenting time to the mother, and that's just the way it is. So that stat about only a small percentage is uh, are contested is bogus in that uh, a lot of people settle because they don't have the funds to fight. You, you know, men want access to their kids. It's Okay. All right. We have a caller on the line. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Linda. All right. Really You're on with uh, the Honorable Representative Kathy Swan and constituent Linda Reitzel. Do you have a question or comment for uh, regarding our topic today? I do. So in my case, I've been battling for custody for three years. And thankfully, I had the support of friends and family along the way. And I had the sources. I'm also a graduate from an Ivy League school, so I have the educational resources. My situation was that uh, my ex essentially alleged falsely that I uh, committed domestic violence, that I was a a drug addict, an alcoholic, and as if all of that and many, 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 many more accusations were not enough, she also alleged that I was a sexual child predator. Now, since then, I have been fortunate enough to have, like I said, the resources of friends and family and my own educational background and was able to... uh, contract with a a, a psychologist to prove that, in fact, my proclivities are not for children or for elderly or for whatever all the other accusations were. And even after that, the court barely gave me 10%. And my ex then took all of the same accusations. So when she started losing in one county, and I'm in California, when she started losing in one county, she picked up and literally cut and pasted all of the same accusations in another county, and the whole thing started all over again. I don't know what it's like in Missouri, and I, and, and I heard what, you, what, what the representative said regarding, you know, this is not our, maybe this is not a problem here, this is not a problem there. But in the past three years, I've done a lot of research, and I've found that this is not only a national problem, it is a global issue. I've seen this issue come up in Argentina, in England, in Australia, in India. I mean, I have seen it everywhere. Fathers fighting for time with their kids. Now, I was a dad that I changed the diapers. I got in the mo- up in the morning and made breakfast for them. I sang lullabies in the evening. I read books at night. I gave them baths. I mean, this is the kind of father that I was. And as was mentioned earlier by Linda... The judge didn't read any of my declaration, didn't read any of my testimony, simply took at face value what my ex had said and blanketly said, even after mediation in my county, it's required that we have mediation before we go to court. And even after mediation, the judge said, this is the best you're going to get. And I found out much, much later that with fathers who don't either have the language resources, the educational resources, or the financial resources to combat these false allegations, to combat their narcissistic, borderline personality disorder, sociopathic exit, when they want to have children, when they want to have time with their children, and their children deserve to have time with both parents. We heard at the beginning of this program all of the research which demonstrates children do better with both, even if one of them is kind of screwed up, right? So what do we do? My question then is to the representative, how can we get this to a national level? If, If the Geneva Convention will uphold family court orders, meaning dad gets this much time, mom gets that much time, and if they move out of, out of the country, dad still has the right to have those children. Why can't we do this on a state, national, or even local level? And I'll take my answer off the air. The, well, I'd be glad to answer. The, our situation here was we had a local problem. We had pockets of local problems. So we felt that we needed to take care of this as a state. We're dealing with a bias here, a 
more than a generational bias. We are dealing with dealing with a historical bias, as we have a bias about it's the the male father who has uh, the proclivity for domestic violence. We also have a bias that, as a society, that we feel that the mother is the most qualified parent. If we want to do something like this nationally, obviously we're going to have to work through our senators, our state senators, or our U.S. senators and our U.S. congressmen and women. So for the states who have already passed this, is that something that the legislature legislators at the state level can communicate with our federal with their federal counterparts. Yes, yes, most definitely. Okay, so that would probably be a good thing on the agenda. And then also piggybacking from Eric's question is you know, allegations that are made, why aren't they substantiated and if the allegation ends up being untrue why is there no penalty to the alienating parent that's like crazy too i need a we need a bill for that as well that is uh, absolutely you're, a problem you're right uh, allegations are thrown at random and you do not have they do not have to be proven it is just whatever the judge decides he believes and and it's it's a it's a big problem and it's a big problem all over the country uh, your caller was right this problem is is universal um, I have. Go ahead. I have. I have someone right now that I've been trying to help with nearly the identical story that he has. Uh, it, it's a major problem. The, these unfounded allegations. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, I, I definitely think we have to work on that. All right, everybody, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show. You're on with me, your host, Linda Gross. You've been listening to Representative Kathy Swan from Missouri and constituent Linda Reitzel, also from Missouri. They just recently passed the uh, shared parenting law. It will go into effect uh, coming up uh, at the end of this month. Um, we've I've enjoyed having you both on as guests today. We'll happily have to do this again um so everybody please listen again on next wednesday that's each and every wednesday 3 p.m pacific 6 p.m eastern time show the love um show me that you uh share this program uh with others and uh listen like uh and follow thank you so much we'll see you next week on the men's advocate show